Welcome back to Desire Made Real, a Discovery of Witches podcast, where we recap every episode of the television show spoiler-free. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and when I'm not talking about Matthew and Diana, and actually even when I am talking about Matthew and Diana, I am freezing cold, and it is not supposed to be this cold in North Carolina. And I'm Caitlin, and when I'm not talking about Discovery of Witches, I'm happy that I'm so cold because it's finally snowing here. <laughs> we have ice. Ice. Not snow. Ice. Oh, I'm I'm sure we've got ice, too, because it snowed yesterday, and then it warmed up, and then it snowed again overnight. So I'm sure mm-hmm. there's ice under the snow. Like, I'm not leaving my house today. Oh, yeah, one of those days. But it's pretty out there. Yay. Well, that's good. Yeah. This time last year, we had cherry blossoms, so... Oh, wow. Big difference. Yeah. Okay. Each week, we'll recap the episode spoiler-free. We'll also include a segment at the end to discuss the books, how well the adaptation works, and we will likely dive into some spoilers here. But don't worry, we'll give you plenty of warning before we get there. Episode 9 was written by Michelle Gale and directed once again by Jonathan Toplitsky. Uh, I think I'm getting better at that name. (laughs) But we have a woman in the credits this week. Thank goodness. I've missed them. So, here we go. All right. Episode nine. We have one more to go after this one. It's coming to a close. I'm really sad at how fast this went because um, Deborah Harkness said on her Instagram that season three is only seven episodes. (gasps) No. Yeah. So, which I get from the book. Like, the book is 90% people talking. So, I understand that there's really not much there for a TV show. So It's going to be over so fast. Yeah. I'm not, like, upset that they're not going to have the time to adapt the book. I'm just upset that it's so short. Yeah, totally get it. Totally get it. But we're not quite done with this season yet. So let's jump into episode nine. Which I like to call a day in the life of the Roydens. Because it is just one day. Oh, is that why I don't particularly like this episode? Oh, interesting. This is my favorite episode. Crazy. I think it's weird. And I just kind of don't like it. That's, I mean, it's not the worst episode of the season, but it is, it just, it feels a little out of place for me. So maybe we can talk about that towards the end. Yes. We do open with Diana still obsessed with the book. Of course. As she is in most places in her life, but this time with a specific book, I suppose. And she's yeah. wearing her, her blue dress again with the twisty bits on the sleeves that I said, I'm pretty sure this is the only one she wears more than once. Yeah, I noticed it's funny because for some reason in this episode, I like it way more than I did in the other episodes. And I'm wondering if it's not actually the dress, if it's the thing in her hair. Maybe. That just like ties it all together. Because I really liked the way she looked in this episode. And the only difference is the thing in her hair. Because she's got the like the crocheted net thing Mm -hmm. that she didn't have the other time she wore this dress. And, And so maybe I do actually like the dress. I just like it even more when her hair thing is pretty too i'm so shallow <laughs> i mean what are we doing here except judging you know yeah maybe um i actually kind of like it this episode too like for some reason this dress seems a little less elizabethan to me if that makes any sense so mm-hmm. i like it better than the other dresses i like the fabric used in the other dresses and the look of them a lot better but this yeah. one if i had to like pick one to wear i would probably pick this one yeah, this one's not as full. It's not like yeah. the skirts aren't as giant around as the other ones are. Yeah, exactly. And I like she's got these lacy cuffs sticking out at the bottom of the sleeves. And I really like those. They've got a fun pattern mm-hmm. on them. Yeah, yeah. And then we get a conversation between Matthew and Diana. And Diana is a little bit like, 
maybe we just live here now. <laughs> right? Yeah. She wants to stay with Jack and just kind of be happy. And I want that too. Maybe they could just put season three in this gorgeous Elizabethan set that they have, even though I know they tore it down and I've already seen pictures from season three. So no, but I Aww. wish. <laughs> um, I did want to take a moment and say, um, you know, when Diana finishes looking at the book, she hides it on the floor. Oh, yes. Yes. She and that. that is the most obvious spot I've ever seen, like because they cut a hole in the floorboard to make a hole. Yeah. And it's obvious because the board is so much smaller than all of the other boards. And I'm just like, that's the first place I would look if I was hiding something. Especially since it's just in their bedroom when, like, mm -hmm. Matthew has a secret attic. Right? Yeah, I just thought it was super obvious and weird. That's all. And even, like, jumping ahead, even if Lord Burley does find the secret attic, I'm just sure that there's more hidey holes up there and not quite mm -hmm. as obvious as the floor of their bedroom. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's all. All right. Um, so then they have a discussion about Elizabeth in London and living there and maybe not living there. And then Matthew is talking about going to explain himself to the queen. Oh, yes. Matthew's back in his rough and his fancy court outfit. Mm-hmm. Which is great because they're about to have a really serious conversation with him in the rough. And I'm like, that was a choice. <laughs> I didn't even, like, the rough just doesn't phase me anymore. <laughs> I think it's just fantastic, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's great. So he's going to go see the queen, and Diana wants to go, and he's like, no, you don't get to go because I failed the queen, and she's going to be pissed. Yeah. So uh, instead, Diana goes to see Goody Alsop. Well, just before that, almost at the end of their conversation, Matthew has this line where the camera's on Diana, and he says, like, find the way with your magic so we can return to the present. And I swear they dubbed that in later because A, it has nothing to do with what they were just talking about it. And he speeds through it like like he was in a booth and just mm. had to, you have these two seconds to fit this whole sentence in and do it. And I'm like, but why? I don't know. It was a weird sentence for me. I don't know. Maybe in the original script, they forgot that that was the point of this episode, that she's learning her magic, finishing mm. learning her magic. Maybe. And the thing, th that's actually one of the things I want to talk about with this episode is mm -hmm. because... One of the reasons I think it's so weird is because they are suddenly fitting in all of these things. Right, yeah. The, the reason they came to the past was to find the book and to hide from the congregation, yes, but also specifically to find Diana a teacher because she did not know how to do magic because her magic isn't normal. Mm -hmm. And we have spent very little time with her actually learning her magic, and so they like try to fit a ton of that stuff into this episode mm -hmm. like magically she ha, magically <laughs> miraculously she all of a sudden just knows how to do all of these weird knots that right. we've not heard about this entire time but she can just do all of them uh Teresa has said that they cut out a lot of or some of the stuff with her and learning knots and that sort of thing so I think it was just a timing problem yeah, well, so that may be why then they had to go back, if if this really was ADR, why they had to fit that line in just yeah. to remind everybody we want to go home because they were just talking about going home or not going home and they yeah. can't until she learns how to do it. Yeah, no, it, I understand. They did have a big problem with, with this season, I think, in that they, I really, so I really like this season, but I do think that they struggled with balancing everything mm -hmm. and i don't think they quite nailed it 
Yeah. Yeah, I am planning on, as soon as I've watched the last episode, I'm going to read the book. Right. Um, just so that I can go back and remember. Because there, there are so many things in my head that I'm confused about now because the show has taken such a different direction. Yeah. And so I want to go back and figure out exactly what I'm confused about and why. Right, <laughs> And then right, we right. can talk about that more specifically in our wrap-up episode. But yes. there's just – there's. I understand why they made a lot of the changes that they made, mm-hmm. but it created a few problems for them that I don't know that they fixed very well. Like this whole magic teaching thread, this heh, thread, this season. <laughs> well, before we get there, we arrive at Goody Allsop's, and Goody Allsop has basically the best line of the show where she looks at Matthew and says, The dark clouds that circled you have lifted somewhat. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's hilarious that she noticed he's a little less broody. Yeah. And he's just like, kind of you to say. <laughs> I don't know why I find it hilarious, but I do. Well, I was wondering if it was some kind of like magical intuition about him being mated now versus not mated before. Uh, maybe. I I just assumed it was that, you know, he he's feels smiling. better about murdering his dad. He's not quite as oh maybe caught up in it. You know? Yeah. Maybe yeah, I know that absolutely could be it too. Yeah. Um, but then Goody makes another observation that is kind of dropped like a truth bomb and then not really addressed again in the episode. Yeah. Surprise pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. Diana's pregnant. Wow. Okay. Opening credits. Yeah. So just to talk a little bit about that, I'm sure we'll dive into this more in our book section here. But I want to say that as much as I understand why they did it, I hate that they did it as a surprise pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Because a a lot of vampire stories have a surprise pregnancy, like mm-hmm. I can think of two big ones off the top of my head without even doing research, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just tired. And b in the book, I thought it was so much better because they chose it. And in in romance stories in general, vampires don't even necessarily have to be involved. It's so very rare for the couple to be like, no, we want to get pregnant. Usually it's surprise pregnancy, and I liked that these this story was different, and so I dislike that they changed it, even though I understand why they did. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so after the credits, we, we have Diana and Matthew alone talking about the surprise pregnancy. Matthew is absolutely astonished and incredulous because it's impossible. This is uncharted territory. And for him, this is just one more reason why they have to get back to the future as soon as possible. But I really like that once again, Diana asks about Jack. Yeah. You know, what are we going to do about Jack when we go to the future? He's our kid now. Yeah, and that's good. I actually, this is one thing that I do like about the surprise pregnancy. I really like this conversation between the two of them. Okay. I like that they're, A, I like the idea that not Sophie and Goody Allsop are just like hiding in the corner trying to give them some privacy, but obviously <laughs> eavesdropping, of course. Right. I love that, like you said, that Diana brings up Jack and base and their life there and that and that she's... She doesn't seem as worried as Matthew. I like that they have their two different reactions, mm-hmm. I guess. And that Matthew is like dad mode activated. He has a checklist. He's going through the checklist. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. And then Diana's like, no, we, we can't. And he's like, okay, wait, <laughs> rearrange the checklist. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he just looks so worried and and stuff. And then afterwards... Diana gives this little like breathy laugh and then Matthew looks at her and does the same thing. And you can tell that they're both just like, oh, another weird thing about us. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Um, 
but they come to the conclusion of the conversation really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it's time. I mean, that's what it is. They're trying to fit so much into these episodes. Um, so the general outcome is that he will continue to go on to the queen by himself so that Diana has time to work on her magic with Goody also so that she can learn how to get them home as soon as possible. Yes. And one other thing that I am looking forward to about this whole surprise pregnancy thing is that since in the books people knew it was a possibility, well, the difference is when they do, in season three, when they tell people, we'll get to see reactions. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of excited about that. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't I know didn't think about why. that. I haven't been looking that far into the future yet. I'm still just trying to figure out exactly what they're doing in this season. I guess. But you're right. It's going to be great. Like Sarah's reaction, Isabeau's reaction. It's going to be fantastic. I'm strangely looking forward to Miriam's because I think she'll be like scientist mode activated, Mm, you know? Yeah. I think that'll be funny. Okay. Yeah. No, absolutely. So one, another thing that I think they could do well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But then, yes, Matthew heads off to the queen and uh, Diana forgot her name for a second. Jeez. My mom's name. Anyways. <laughs> wait, wait. Before you start talking about Diana again, brief scene, Matthew's hat and cape are back. True. Yes. Yes. I actually did write that down and I skipped over it. Thank you for bringing <laughs> us back to that. The cape and the, the cape hat have returned. has returned. Yes. 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 And then it's a brief stupid moment with Kit. Kit knows that he's back and blah, blah, blah. Okay. But we do actually have to address Kit was crouching in an alleyway. What? <laughs> He was just crouching in an alleyway somewhere in London. I mean, I I feel like that just goes to show that Kit feels like he's nothing when Matthew's not around. But, like, did he know that they were back and he was lying in wait? Did he, did he just, is he just that pathetic? I don't know. I think he might just be that pathetic, honestly. I miss evil Kit from the book, but let's move on. <laughs> so then, Diana, mm. learning magic. Yes. Just tying random knots. Yes. We learn that she has mastered three knots, but there are either there are 10 total or 10 more. I'm not sure. There are 10 total. I thought there were 10 total, but it sounded like um, they said there were 10 more that she still needs to learn. Right. And so I wasn't quite sure. I couldn't remember exactly what was happening there. So, But she's mastered three. She needs to learn 10 total. Um, and I find it interesting. They don't tell us actually anything about this magic or the knots. They tell us they're knots and she needs to learn them. They don't tell us that each knot is different, Mm -hmm. but they do actually do a really good job of showing us that as she's going through each knot. Yeah. And so I appreciate that they tried to fit what they could into just this like one scene. Yeah. What I don't like about this is like, why the fuck is she tying these knots? Like, Oh yeah. They haven't told us any of that. Like, in, in the book, she learns knots and she learns to use them to create spells. Like uh-huh. we see her creating spells throughout the story before she has to create one to go home or whatever. Right. Yeah. They have not done a good job of tying, <laughs> tying, tying that information together. No. Here, they told us in one episode what a weaver is, that a weaver can't do other people's spells. She has to create her own. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they told us that she ties knots because she can see all of the elements and she uses them all together. But they don't actually take us from these knots of magic or how you create things, especially whenever you get to this scene mm-hmm. and it seems like every spell, every knot does a very specific thing. And it, so it seems like the knots are the spells. Yeah. 
So it it is weird. It's not done well. Um, they just, I don't know if they're just trusting the audience to get there and that the audience, maybe the audience can get there if they haven't read the book. And we just don't see it because we see a different correlation because we already had back information. I'm not sure. I'd actually be interested to hear from one of our listeners who hasn't read the book to tell us kind of how they felt about this whole incremental magic that we've gotten. Because I'm just not sure. Do, do, Do I think it's done badly because I know more information than they've explicitly said? And if you don't know that information, was it enough for you to get there? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because it does seem very strange. And it seems like it seems like she's just tying these knots over here. But then suddenly she has magic that has nothing to do with that also. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because she's been doing a lot more magic lately. Yeah, uh, particularly fire magic. We've seen that a couple times, both uh, when she was fighting with Matthew and in this episode later with Louisa and Kit. Yeah, she just like flicks her hands and there's suddenly fire. She didn't tie a knot to get that fire. It just happened. Yeah. So they've not explained how her magic works to her or to us. Yeah. And maybe they're just like the TV show is going in a different direction with magic than it did in the book, which is fine. I just I just don't see it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, after she doesn't get all the way through 10 knots after knot seven, um, that Rowan tree kind of reappears and there's a fire drake perched in it and then flies around the room. Mm-hmm. I um, will say, which, to say some good things about this scene, uh, I like beautiful. Diana's acting in it, or Teresa's acting, and the special effects are great, and mm-hmm. I think it looks good how she's reacting to the knots and the threat. Like, it all seems, it all comes together in a nice visual way. Yeah, it's like somebody kind of choreographed the knot tying for her so that she was doing something different with her hands each time, and then when they drew the knots, added the knots in, yeah, they I, matched what she was doing. Yeah, I do actually think that is what happened, that she worked with, like, that she learned how to tie actual complicated knots and did stuff like that when she was acting. Oh, yeah, no, that probably did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree, though. It looked really good. Um, the special effects from the Rowan tree and the fire drake looked really good. Mm-hmm. My complaint with this is that this fire drake comes out of flipping nowhere mm-hmm. and is a completely different kind of magic than we've seen or heard of in the entire show thus far. In episode three, whatever the last one with the Rowan tree was, Goody also does mention that Diana will, you know, her familiar will reveal itself. But that's it. That's all we've gotten so far. Yeah. Yeah, so it just it feels out of place. This is another one of those things where, like I said, I, I find this episode weird. And it it's because I feel like they're trying to fit a lot of stuff in last minute. Yeah. That they didn't make space for in the rest of it. And so it just it has to go somewhere. So we'll just throw it in episode nine. Yeah. And this is one of those things. Yes, it's pretty, but that's it. That's it. Um, so yeah, Cora is the fire drake. She disappears inside of Diana and Goody says that the familiar will reappear when she is needed. Honestly, though, I think it's interesting that they chose to include Cora at all. I mm-hmm. before going into the season, before like episode three, when Goody also had her line about a familiar, I genuinely thought they would just cut her because she's not that. I think I think she'd be really easy to cut from the story, including mm-hmm. in book three. Yeah. So people are going to disagree with me because. <laughs> She because seems, reasons. Because she seems necessary for one bit, but I'm like, no, you could get around that. Yeah. And she doesn't really, other than that one scene in book three, she doesn't do much for the story. So I'm 
honestly surprised they included her at all. Yeah, in the books, and and I know we should be talking about this later, and we say this every time, but in the book, she exists largely to make mischief for Diana to have to get around and figure out how to deal with magically. Yeah. But we've skipped that entire thread in the show, and so you're right. They absolutely could have gotten around it. She's pretty to look at. No, I like how they. I like how she looks, and I like. I'm intrigued to see what they do with her in season three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cut to Matthew and the Queen, who is in quite a state because she has a toothache. That's fair. Toothaches are the fucking worst, right? She is pissed. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is exacerbated by the toothache, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But she's she's mad that he has failed her. She wanted Kelly. All he did was bring the stupid book back. So she demands, bring me this book so I can send it back and get Kelly. Matthew says, oh, sorry, can't. It was stolen. Um, she what sees a, right through what that a lie. Bold-faced lie. Like, right? What a risk. Um, she sees right through it, of course, and sends Lord Burley to search the house for it and says, Matthew, you can't go. You have to stay here. Yeah. She she is also quite bold, but she's the queen. She's entitled to be. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised that Matthew kept his cool when she uh, threatened Diana. That was, I'm impressed. Yeah. But he he is smart, you know, above all else. And he knows that he can't, he can't take take on the queen like he knows that and and the other instances where he's become super super possessive and angry about diana it's always been in situations where he knows he could take whoever it was even when it was philippe right he knew at least knew he could fight back yeah and with the queen he can't and then lord burley is off to the royden residence and kit is lying in wait for diana in a much better place than a random alley Right. This time he's at the tavern waiting to see her pass. And I have to say, I like the scene. It was done really, really well. But it comes right after the queen has sent Lord Burley to the house because she's angry with Matthew. This seems perfectly reasonable because Kit tells Diana that Matthew is in danger, that the queen is angry with him and put him in the dungeon. Yeah. Well, we didn't see that happen. It seems perfectly reasonable that she could have done that. Yeah, I think if I had not read the books, I would maybe think, oh, Maybe he's telling the truth for a second. So, yeah. Right. Yep. And so Diana believes it. She gets in the boat with Kit to go find him. And then back at the Royden residence when Lord Burley is taking all the books and Jack is trying to hide his own little book behind and it's so adorable and fuck these men for taking it from him. Is that what that was? Yeah. I was like, why? Like, it's it's a piece of paper in Jack's hand. Why is Burley trying to take it? I don't understand. Like, I was like, he's an asshole for taking it from this child, but I didn't know what it was. It's just a book that belongs to him, or it might be like a like a sketchbook, I think. Mm, okay. And right. that's that's conjecture from the book. Right, right. Yeah, so fuck Lord Burley. Yeah, fuck Lord Burley. Quick cut scene back to the castle. Matthew is talking to Walter. I do like that we get to see one of his human friends briefly again. Yeah. It took me a minute. I was like, this guy's familiar. Who is it? Because <laughs> it's been a while. It has been a while. And during the course of this conversation, Matthew decides the best way to get out of this is to actually tell the queen the truth. Yes. Which color me shocked. Seriously, like that's not sarcasm. Like yep. Things like that never happen in fiction. People don't just do what they're supposed to do and tell the truth. Well, they didn't in the book. This is very different. And I love this change. It's one of my, this might be my actual favorite change from the book. Yeah. But, no, it's good. I like the conversation that he has with the queen. Yeah. Um, in a few minutes. But before that, Lord Burley finds the book because, because squeaky floorboard. 
fucking obvious spot. To be fair, I don't actually feel like a squeaky floorboard would stand out in in a wooden house. I don't know. Ordinarily, no, but it was very obvious that it was the only squeaky one. Like, I mean, they were walking everywhere, up and down the stairs, nothing creaked, and then that one floorboard did. So, yeah, it makes sense, but he gets the book. But then Gallo Glass and Jack work together. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. It's amazing. Like, in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, Jack's stealing it back. And I knew, like, Pierre could see it. Like, everybody could see it except for Burley. I was like, go, Jack. You're awesome. It was so good. Um, and I just love the idea of Jack and Galaglass being like this team of mischief. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely perfect. And then we go back to Matthew and the Queen, and he tells her everything. And I love this scene so much. I Yeah. It's so good. Go yeah, he starts by uh, soothing her toothache with a drop of his blood, which is absolutely the best place to start, right? Let's just make her feel better so she might be more reasonable to talk to. Yeah. And, you know, in that moment, she finally says the thing that that we've we briefly talked about it before. You know, she recognizes that his blood would absolutely make her immortal. Mm-hmm. And that would be what's best for England in her p- perspective. You know, so he reminds her having a creature on the throne would bring, bring chaos. We can't do that. Even if you were immortal, you wouldn't be able to stay queen. And so then he tells her of the future. Right. In 500 years, everybody knows her name and her mm-hmm. legacy. Um you know, he tells her that he is not her shadow, that he's from the future. He says, your true shadow would not have disappointed you so. And I love when he says her full name, Queen Elizabeth I, Gloriana, and the, the camera tilts up and the sun flares behind her. And it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. The music in this yes. scene is fantastic. It's it's so hopeful. Yeah. it The scene, I think one of the reasons I like it is it reminds me a lot of a scene in season five of Doctor Who, when they bring Van Gogh to the Van Gogh Museum mm, and show yeah. him his legacy, which like mm-hmm. makes me tear up all the time, even though I don't particularly care for Stephen Moffat or Doctor Who, unless I'm talking about it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean that there's not one great episode yeah, out there. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I love, I really, I always enjoy when it's done well, showing historical figures what their impact on the future has been. Like, yeah. I like it a lot. And I like that he calls her Queen Elizabeth the first, implying that there is more than one. Mm-hmm. And then I like that she takes the moment to say thank you. Like the queen doesn't have to say thank you yeah. to anybody ever. And she stops him and says, thank you, Matthew. She and says his Matt. response. Oh, does she say Matt? I she thought she Matt. said Matthew. Um, but his response, he says, you're welcome, Bess. It's so great. It's so familiar. And it's yeah. like in this moment, they're actually friends. So I have a question. Matthew and Queen Elizabeth, they totally boned, right? No. Oh, I think I disagree with you. Oh, I don't think so. I think they did. We'll have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> when she was younger, obviously. Not. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. At the very no, least, she there. wanted to. <laughs> well, I mean, who wouldn't? I definitely just taken a sip of tea. <laughs> I almost spit it out. I didn't mean to choke you there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. Oh, okay. So then Matthew heads home because the queen has forgiven him because he told her that England is England is good for five hundred years. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he does when he walks in is take off his ruff, which I, I love. Totally get totally. Yeah. It's like taking your bra off as soon as you walk in the door. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Got to get comfortable. <laughs> And then he goes to check on the book, and Jack to the rescue, he hid it under the bed. 
Mm-hmm. And then he has that little hug with him, and it's so cute. Because you can see that at first Jack was really afraid, but then he just hugs him. And Well, yeah. I mean, I'd be afraid, too, of Matthew in that. I mean, because he's mad. Yeah. Like, he's like, that's too dangerous, Jack. Why'd you do it? And he grabs him by the shoulders. But then he realizes this was wonderful, and he hugs him. And Jack's like, oh, good. I actually did good. <laughs> well, even if Matthew thought he did bad, like, he never would have hurt him. And I think that that's right. something that Jack is not used to. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, that's true. Um, Galley Glass and Pierre come back uh, from looking for Diana, um, mm-hmm. but they did not find her. She actually left the witches hours ago. So it's, you know, Avengers Assemble. We have to go find Diana now. <laughs> My note here is just, Diana's missing. Oh, no. <laughs> And then they all run out of the house and no one has a single word of comfort for Jack, even though he looks very worried. Yeah, because, well, they're because they're just all thinking about Diana now. Where could she be? She must be in danger. I know, but somebody could have said, don't worry, it'll be fine. Yeah. We'll find her. Well, I mean, Francoise is still there with him, so I'm sure she did that. And then we cut to Kit and Diana in a wet, dungeon-y looking I don't know where this is. In a thing. Yeah, I called it a dungeon cave because it looks like a cave, but it also has like bars on windows yeah so don't actually know where they are on a Um, different set yeah totally different set and it turns out louisa is there yay i love that diana knows right away who she is she's just like oh this sucks yeah but you know what i actually i feel a little bit bad for kit here because he genuinely believed they were just gonna exile diana and not kill her and he's a little bit distraught that Louisa wants to kill her. My note here is Kit can't really be that naive, can he? Like, come on, buddy. I think he can. Yeah. This version of Kit. The version of Kit that we have in the show, I absolutely believe it. I mean, he watched Louisa shoot a dude, a random dude. But he seems to, like, have this thing for believing in people. Mm, I guess. Unless they've taken his Matthew away from him and then they don't believe in Diana, but you know, like he just, he seems so very innocent in a morally bankrupt way. Yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it. So, um, I don't actually know what happens in the next scene. I assume we cut to Matthew again because my next note is I wonder if Matthew will keep the earring when he gets back home. <laughs> I guess we could. <laughs> so, I can only assume we cut to Matthew for a moment, yeah, but I don't know we why. Cut to Matthew and Galaglass and presumably Pierre just talking about how there must be eyes everywhere and to find um, Father Hubbard because his mm. his creatures will have seen things. And yes. Matthew has changed. He t- They rushed out of the house, but he did take the time to take off his fancy shirt and put on his leather shirt. Got it. <laughs> yeah. my All I want to know is, will he keep the earring when he gets back home? Because I think it looks really good on him. <laughs> I think it does too. Uh, I, we've seen some behind the scenes with him and I... I don't think he has it. I don't expect him to. I mean, when he loses the beard and the sort of rough and tumble look he's got going on and goes back to his suits, maybe the earring wouldn't look, you know, part of the look. Yeah, it's the shirts that it goes with and the the stubble. Because he wouldn't be wearing his puffy shirt. He's definitely clean shaven next season, which is fine. I mean, Matthew Good looks good either way. Yeah. Back to Louisa and Diana. Louisa is absolutely shocked to find out that Diana is Philippe's blood-sworn daughter. But instead of making her back down, it reinforces her belief that Diana has bewitched everyone because Philippe would never accept a witch. Yeah. Which is just, it's such a, such a, I guess it's a thing we see every day, actually. Someone having evidence, staring them in the face and them saying, just or them just choosing to be blind to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so she gives Kit the gun for the first shot, and Kit can't do it. Uh, Diana starts quoting his own work to him uh, from the poem Hero and Leander, Mm -hmm. which isn't actually published until after his death. So, of course, he's alive here, so he knows he hasn't showed it to anybody, and he's completely shocked and flabbergasted that she knows these things. And so he can't shoot her. Louisa knocks him down and tries to shoot Diana, but misses. I find it interesting with the whole poem thing that that sort of implies that Kit didn't believe they were from the future. Mm-hmm. Because now he has proof, and he and yeah. it makes him hesitate. Yeah. Well, I think that he honestly just believed that Diana bewitched Matthew and fed him all these lives and made Matthew believe them. That's just a level of blindness that is insane. Yeah. I am also really impressed with Diana because if somebody was pointing a gun at me, I couldn't think of of a single poem ever in existence, let alone like a specific relevant one. Right. Like I had to actually look up this poem. <laughs> It's like, I can tell that she's quoting his own words to him, but I don't know enough about Christopher Marlowe's work to to know. But, you know, she's a historian, so it makes sense that she would. I can absolutely believe that she would. But, like, there are poetry lines that I do know off the top of my head. But if someone's pointing a gun at me, I would not be able to come up with them. Yeah. True story. Yeah, Louisa is pissed off that she missed so she tries again and this is where we see Cora again I'm not sure it, it's unclear if Diana called Cora forth or if Cora just sensed the danger and came forward I feel like if it was the first I mean if it was the latter then she would have come forward sooner so like maybe she had to wait until Diana called her I'm uh, unsure I don't know what she says Cora's name she does um, but it's kind of unclear if she says it in response to Cora coming forth or if Cora comes right, forth because Diana said her name because it kind of all happens at once. Yeah. And so I wasn't actually sure. I don't um, know because like, they're doing that differently than they do in the book. Yeah. So I don't I, – I, I genuinely don't know. It could be that Diana truly didn't feel like she was – like they were going to fire until they had already fired, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, because Diana actually wasn't acting like somebody who was afraid here. Yeah. So then Cora reappears here. Cora doesn't actually attack Louisa and Kit, just kind of frightens them and corrals them and doesn't let them leave. Mm-hmm. And then Diana flicks her circle of fire around them so they can't, you know, attack her or leave. And then, of course, the cavalry arrive, Matthew Gallaglass and Father Hubbard. And Diana does tell them that, you know, that they're going to die soon and they're not going to die well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is going to come up again in, in a little bit. Yeah. A few scenes away. So she does let them go. Father Hubbard, I, I don't know if it was Matthew or if it was Father Hubbard, but I think it was Father Hubbard who asked her to release them. And yeah, that was Hubbard. That they would take care of them. Um, so she does. Kit and Louisa are taken to Bedlam, which is kind of Father Hubbard's dungeony area. Well, Bedlam is its own thing. Right, it's it's an area in London, right? Yeah. Like, well, it's a but it's, insane asylum, for lack of a modern term, where they just like used to throw people. Uh, I guess I mis I misunderstood that. Okay, yeah, okay. Before that, though, Diana does this weird thing, where she has like a thumbs up and then jerks her hand up, and somehow that signals Cora to go back inside her. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just. Most of the time when she's doing magic, I like it. But that one weird thing, I can't look at it without being like, what? What was that? What did you just do? Who who made that choice? <laughs> Anyways, and I also always forget that this isn't like a regular cable show until someone says fuck, which Matthew does here. 
Yes, he did. I was I was taken aback by it because yeah. you just don't expect it. And then Matthew says it. And then Matthew and Diana hug, which is a scene from the opening credits. And then we cut back to fuckface. Being ignored, though, which I like. Yeah. Uh, he triumphantly comes back to the queen, says he has all of Matthew's books. He has not failed her. And she's like, go away. Matthew's forgiven. I love it. Yeah, it's great. And he's just like so defeated. Mm-hmm. And then we never see him again. It's fantastic. Yep. And then we're back to the Royden residence. And Diana's alone at home because Matthew has gone to indulge himself at Bedlam. And she makes Gala Glass take her there. Gala Glass is like, no, Matthew wouldn't want you to go. And she's like, well, I'll just go by myself then. Mm-hmm. So Gala Glass does take her. And we get Matthew in yet another fit of blood rage with those giant round black eyes. And he's covered in blood, appears to have been torturing Louisa, and is growling a lot. And this is the bit where I was like shocked that they didn't put in some special Mm -hmm. effects on the growling because he's doing a lot here yes i was thinking that too i was like wow i thought he did a lot of growling in the other episode but this one it's just like continuous growling yeah it's crazy and then louisa mentions the prophecy also and how she thinks that diana will destroy them them Mm -hmm. i guess being vampires yeah she says matthew and all of their kind yeah so it sounds like she does think it's just vampires and not creatures so she must have the gerbert version of the prophecy and not the philippe version of the prophecy right (laughs) um if we're considering them the same prophecy i mean i think we're supposed to yeah um it's just over over time it's like a game of telephone over time words degrade and and meanings change yes and one other thing happens here where the camera shows kit for a minute and he Mm -hmm. looks terrified of matthew which i really really love Because then you see Diana, and she's not scared at all. And I just really like that moment, because from the beginning of the season, I think Matthew, not Matthew, uh, Kit, genuinely thought that his feelings for Matthew and Diana's feelings for Matthew were, like, equal. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, and Matthew's feelings for them, if he was, if Matthew wasn't bewitched slash from the future, whatever. Right. And so I like that it was very clearly here laid out for him that, no. If that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Um, the other part of that is Gala Glass is also afraid of Matthew here and yes. continually tries to get Diana to step back and be careful. And Diana's just not paying any attention. She's like, this is my husband and I know him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care that he's in a fit of blood rage. I can still talk to my husband. Yeah. And she does. It's fantastic. So Louisa is egging him on. In this moment, because Matthew has attacked her basically after she has said that Diana is going to be the end of all of them. Matthew is like, (laughs) and (laughs) um, so Diana starts talking to him to calm him down. And Louisa is egging him on like, go ahead, do it. Let the wolf out, blah, blah, blah. Um, So in this moment, Diana begs for him to let them live. She says, think of the baby. Mm-hmm. And everybody hears it. Like you, we get to see Louis, the look on Louise's face. We get to see the look on Kit's face, mm-hmm. and like everybody, all of a sudden realizes she's pregnant, and it's Matthews interspersed. She does say "our baby." Oh, does she? Yeah. I wrote down "think of the baby," but maybe "our baby." Um, Gally Glass keeps telling her to be careful, but Diana's awesome, and she gets him to walk away. Yeah, and they just leave them there. Mm-hmm. They In just Bethlehem. walk away. That sucks. I really feel like. TV show Kit was not nearly as terrible as Book Kit, and his ending is much worse than what Book Kit got, so that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. 
I don't know. I think Father Hubbard will probably get him out. Honestly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sure. That I think that's actually what happens in the book. But I don't know. I like. I feel bad for Kit here. I never once felt bad for Kit in the book. Mm. And then we get another weird to me scene. I remember enjoying this in the book, and this I just thought was weird. Um, Matthew and Diana are talking, and he's telling her all about how he's got this constant war of control that's always waging inside of him um, mm-hmm. because he wants to control her and possess her so much and, you know, fight with everybody else for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that he is always, he wants to cleanse himself of guilt and shame. And somehow, like, I had to look up the transcript of this because the he was whispering and I don't have headphones on when I'm watching this like you do. And so Uh maybe this transition was easier for you and maybe you got it a little bit better, but he moves from talking about wanting to cleanse himself of guilt and shame to talk about how drinking from your mate is to know that nothing is hidden. Uh, They've said that they cut this scene down a lot. Okay. Um, So no, it doesn't make sense. So it's like a really weird segue going from guilt and shame to I want to drink your blood because that's the only way that we can truly be one because there's no secrets when you drink from your mate. Yeah, it's not even that. It's like Matthew's confessing and then Diana makes the choice because she lays down and like runs her finger along her neck offering it to him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but how did you make that? How did you? (laughs) Yeah, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense at all. So she tells him to drink. He says it's not fair because then he would know all of her secrets and she wouldn't know his because she doesn't drink blood. Um, And so she says that she could with this thing called a witch's kiss, which is the first we've heard of this. Um, So he should go ahead and drink. So he does. Right from the boob. Sorry, (laughs) the heart vein. The heart vein. So, okay. I actually do have a note here that says, once again, Diana's boobs really seem like the star of the show. I knew, I knew you were going to say that in this episode. Yeah. So first of all, at the beginning of this scene, I do love the shot of Matthew through the gauzy curtains with the sunrise light. It's really beautiful. And they put that together mm-hmm. very well. I actually, as much as the the leap from him being worried about blood rage to her being like, drink my blood, that, like that they, it makes no sense. I still really like the scene overall because mm-hmm. I think in the book, this was like, or sorry, even in the book, this scene was just weird and over the top. And I genuinely did not know how they were going to translate it to a sh- to like TV because it, it just didn't strike me as something you could. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So the piece at the end with the thread. Oh, that's like, I don't hell. think they, I don't think they did that well. No, no, no. At all. If, if that thread had not been there, I would like this scene 10 times more. Mm-hmm. Like the glow on his forehead, the acting, and the music, I think, got the point across. They absolutely did not need that weird golden thread connecting them. That was like, why is her forehead connected to her boob? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From the perspective of the show, it doesn't make any sense. I'm assuming they had to do it because that thread is going to be a plot point in season three. Eh? I mean, in the book, it was like she... That's a total spoiler. I'm sorry. It's a thing. Um, I forgot it was a thing until I saw the thread here. And in the context of everything that we've gotten so far, it doesn't make any sense. Um, It's a visual aid for how they're linked. But 
in this context, it just doesn't make sense. Their reaction doesn't make sense because apparently having this threat is orgasmic. (laughs) Um, And that's that's weird to me as well. But, you know, it is what it is. See, genuinely, I think I think it would have been like sometimes I just like pretend that thread isn't there, you know, and then it's a really good scene because you get the connection between them and you get that they've, you know, the the name of the song on the soundtrack that plays here is Transcendence and they've kind of like moved up to this new level in their relationship mm-hmm. where like, I mean, literally there are the no next walls. thing Diana no does secrets. in the next episode is keep a secret from him and that's <sighs> confusing for me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, well, so in this moment, there are no walls, there's no secrets, yeah. all of that's gone. Like complete and total honesty between the two of them, which I get is a wonderful thing and given that that's a thing that Matthew has always thought he would never be able to have. Mm-hmm. Um, for this to come on the heels of him losing his guilt over Philippe is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and the more that we talk about it, the more I like it because mm-hmm. I'm kind of making, I'm connecting those dots. I don't necessarily think the show connected those dots for us. No, I, And I think I that's why I there. struggle with it. But if we keep talking about it, the more I'll like it. <laughs> I do also love Matthew has this moment when, Diana goes in to, to kiss his forehead and he just like jerks back. Even though he mm-hmm. wants her to do it, he's still like nervous. And I love that little moment. Mm-hmm. And I love that they swapped their lines in the book. It's the other way around. Um, oh, really? Okay. Uh, uh, what is it? Diana says, you know, what did you find? And Matthew says, you, only you. But I love that they swapped them. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's much more meaningful for yeah. Diana to say that to him because yeah. he's so concerned and guilty like he's ashamed that he has blood rage and so for her to see every part inside of him and to accept him yeah like that is the only thing he has ever wanted in his life and so I really enjoy that change I like it it's a good change yeah me too and I like that I like that that's where they leave it that that's Mm -hmm. where they've come to in their relationship that not only she accepts every bit of him but he knows it yeah So then we immediately cut to the scenes from the next episode, and the first thing they show us is just the two of them sitting on the bed kissing, which is not necessary to be in a next episode. Like, But it's a nice way to transition from this very intimate scene that we're ending the episode on into the frenetic energy of what's going to be the season finale. Yeah. I actually... I mean, I can talk about it here if you want, but I think that scene with them on the bed kissing is ridiculous because could they be sitting farther apart? <laughs> and then no, they have to lean in for it. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, every time I saw it, I was like, that's just so weird. It's cute, but it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I think it is definitely probably spoiler time. I'm sorry that we kind of had some spoilers in this episode, but we're going to talk more heavily about those now. So if you don't want to be further spoiled about this season and season three. Uh, We will see you next week. Did you, you sounded like you had specific things you wanted to talk about. Um, there was, and I started to say it. Oh, the, the thread thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's, there's something that happens in book three where Diana has to find Matthew and she finds him because of the thread. Like she feels for the thread. Where is the thread leading? Um, and so it's it's a connection point that's very specific. Um, and so I feel like they're going to, for them to have kept it in right, that they're gonna this episode, that? they had to do it for a reason. 
And that's the only thing I can think of is that they use still use that plot point in season three. Or they wanted to keep it open at least. Right. Because in the book, like it's they explain it. They describe it. They explain what she's feeling. They explain what it is, you know, how it happened as they were having this connection, like with him drinking the blood and her seeing inside of him and how this thread just kind of grew. Well, the they don't book, do any of they that. They had here. like a chain or a thread connecting them since book one. See, and I for completely forgot that. They and the, and Diana talks about it a lot, and then near the end of book one, she kind of sh- I don't sh- just I don't know about shows it, but like makes Matthew aware of it. Mm, okay. And yeah, you know, I reread this scene where they where Matthew drinks her blood for the first time, and or drinks from her heart vein for the first time last night and of course everything about it has left my brain (laughs) of course Uh, although one thing i one change i did prefer in the book obviously is that the witch's kiss thing like that's a spell that diana creates on the spot because she's a weaver which we haven't seen her do and i like that it was something that she created for them Mm -hmm. yeah oh that would have been better yeah instead of just having her suddenly because one of the things they're doing this season that I am not a fan of is they're just making her magically I keep saying magically because I use that figuratively all the time but Mm -hmm. she's just suddenly able to do things with no explanation of how or why yeah and I guess my my assumption is that it's because she's creating these spells and so she can just do whatever she wants. But they haven't gotten us to that point. They haven't shown us that she has learned about these things. She was told one time, you can't do other people's magic because you're a weaver, so you have to make your own spells. Yeah. That's it. And now suddenly she can do basically anything that she wants to do. And I wish that they had been a little more intentional with that instead of just hoping we get there. I guess we're just supposed to assume that maybe there's been magic lessons we haven't seen, so she knows how to do things now. I don't but know. But how? We saw when she left, you know, because Goody also was like, no, you you haven't learned enough. You need to keep your lessons, and she leaves. That's true. I, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating, but... It is. Um, I think that that's a lot of why I'm not a big fan of this episode, because I feel like they just dropped a lot of information that was not earned. I can understand that. I don't even know. I cannot explain to you why I like this episode so much. So at least you have reasons. (laughs) The other thing was, I feel like I remember Matthew knew she was pregnant before she did because he heard the baby's heartbeat, right? Yeah. So this is again, well, it's a change, but also, or not the heartbeat, but he he heard, he could smell it. I think that's what it was. He could smell it Um, because he hears the heartbeats, plural, when they get back to the future. Mm, that right, okay. So so are we assuming then that there's no miscarriage at all? She's just going to be pregnant the one time? Yeah, so there is no uh, that is another thing Teresa answered a question about that on uh, Instagram somewhere in that it was a plot line that she actually fought for them to include the the miscarriage because Teresa has herself had a miscarriage and she thought that it was an important mm-hmm. you know, thing to show because you don't see it that much. Right. If, if at all on popular television. Um, but the writers felt that, like, they couldn't have done it justice because of time. time. Like, they, she would, they would have had a miscarriage and then she just would have had to be pregnant right away again. And mm-hmm. they wouldn't have had time to, like, 
grieve. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. But if they had made some of the other changes that we've talked about, they could have done it. Like, if they had cut most of episode five and given Philippe more time, like, if they had spent more time or shown us the time that had passed where they were at Sator, they could have done it. I'm just saying. I don't know. I I don't mind that they cut it just because of what they said. Be- yeah. Because, like, I would I mean, it's have... a good reason. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. And the thing about cutting out Matthew being able to tell... Again, I just kind of like it because that means they get to reveal it to people in the third season and the vampires aren't just going to know or we can hope, we can assume. And I'm just really excited for mm. the craziness that that's going to be. We'll see. I'm Maybe I'm wrong. Sure. Maybe they're going to see Isabeau and she's going to know immediately and she'll just tell everyone, which would actually be kind of shitty of her. But <laughs> who knows? I don't think she would do that. No, I don't think she would do that. Yeah. All right. So next week, season finale. Yep. And I will say that this episode was like... The climax of the season. Next episode is more like a wrapping things up slash setting up next season. Well, that's a bummer. Since I didn't like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. One more to go. We'll, I'll get through it. It'll be fine. It'll be I think you'll like next episode. So we'd love to know what you think of season two so far. You can tweet at us at Desire Made Real. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me and find my other shows on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin. I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can just give me a shout out over on Twitter at Mandy Kay. Join us next week as we talk about episode 10, the final episode of the season. <laughs> Until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there is a new beginning.